As we talk about today's subject, we're talking about gifts fit for a king. Gifts fit for a king. You see, we're living at a time, or it's a season in the year we call Christmas. Is that correct? Is that correct? Well, I don't blame you for a reluctant answer because when I lived in the city, Christmas was everywhere around me. I come out here, I hardly see anything that reminds me of Christmas. So, let me tell you, announce it from here, the news is that Christmas is here. Amen? Or whatever it means. It is a season for festivities that can be most observable in most places, especially going to the shopping mall. I don't go to the mall, but two weeks ago I happened to venture into the mall, and I was amazed. I, I realized I'm a country boy. There was so much hustle and bustle around me and bright lights. I just wanted to get out of there. You may drive along a street and notice a nativity scene on lawns, brightly lit with some most colorful lights. I was up in Norwood, and I saw one, the whole yard, the whole front of the house, both sides of the driveway, a huge nativity scene with light. For many in the Christian world, the nativity scenes are part of the tradition in celebrating the birth of Christ. For the non-Christian, Christmas is a time of gift giving. It's a time of shopping, shop till you drop. It's a time of gaiety and laughter, eating, partying, family get together. Christmas is a holiday that cannot be missed. But Christmas time is only one of the occasions when we give gifts. We live in a culture of gift giving and receiving. It's a culture that has been handed down to us from generations to generation. Because God gave the first gift. He gave us the gift of the creation and the gift of life. And that gift of life has passed from one generation to another as marred as man has made it. We think of our birthdays and weddings, Mother's Days and Father's Days, shower parties, retirement parties. We think of gift giving. A gift is a present or a token of appreciation given by someone to another, the giver, expecting nothing in return. It costs the recipient nothing and is designed to bring joy. A gift is given as an expression of love or friendship. And people take great care in endeavoring to find just the right gift. I give the women credit for being able to find the right gift because they do so with much pain with much suffering, with much care, with much love. If I'm the typical man, I know the right place at the right time to go because I'll find the right gift. It takes me five minutes. That's a typical guy. But a gift from a woman comes with love and care and attachment. In addition to the gifts that we give, we possess gifts on our own. It is a gift received without, our acknowledge, without us acknowledging the giver. We refer to these gifts as talents or being gifted in a particular area of life. Those gifts we also use in magnifying joy in the hearts of those who witness our expression of those talents. It is an incredible speci special ability. It's an endowment, a gift that captures one's attention who observes it. 
We often refer to great orators, great spokesmen, as having the gift of speech. We think of the gifted musicians. I listen to the Hardy and the whole family. They're gifted with music, aren't they? Love to listen to the music that enhances our church. We also possess the gift of persuasion to influence others. You see, as we look back into the Bible, Abraham gave gifts. He gave a gift to, to, to Hagar and her children and her son as they left home. We remember Joseph giving the gift of a colored coat to his, sorry, Jacob to his son Joseph. In the kingdom of Babylon, we find young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. But there's a remarkable story in the Bible of a gift. A gift that cannot be compared to any other gift. It is a gift that came that touches every man and woman's heart. It's a gift that came from heaven. And in the story of, the, in the story of that gift in the book of Luke, it is a gift that was given fit for a king. But before we open up God's word, Let's bow our heads in prayer. Eternal Father, thank you for that gift. That gift in your Son. That gift, dear God, that you sent into this world, Father, that we can have eternal life. We thank you for his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, and the work he's doing in heaven on our behalf. And without that gift, dear God, Heavenly Father, We'd be wretched, miserable beings, born to die with no hope. We thank you for the gift in your son. Come now, we ask. Let your spirit tabernacle with us, we pray. Kindly forgive us of our sins. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask these things. Amen. In the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, it is not just a story. It's a remarkable story. It is a story I would have expected to be written of God's people, the Jewish people. But it was not. It is a story written of, 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 of the Gentiles. It is a story of the wise men, men from the East. Men somehow, were, they were moved, they were guided. They saw the star in the East. And they followed the star. They followed a star from the east. Traveling on the beasts of burden. And they traveled by night. So that they could see the star. It was great distance. They traveled through the cold temperatures of the night. And they may have rested during the hot days of sunshine. You see they went searching. They went searching to find a baby Jesus who was born king of the Jews. The Gentiles. They traveled that distance and they brought gifts most fitting for the one they referred to as Jesus, the king of his Jews. They arrived in Jerusalem. 
And as usual, life was going on in Jerusalem. No one paid attention. They went about knocking on doors, inquiring, where can we find this baby Jesus? He that is born king of the Jews. There was no answer. The news was met with cold indifference by the people of God. And King Herod hears the news and invites them to come quietly to the palace. They were searching. And so King Herod summoned the elders of the church. And correctly they told him through prophecy that Christ was going to be born in Bethlehem. The wise men hearing the good news went back outside. And as they began a journey to Bethlehem that they knew not whereof they were going, the star appeared to them and joy returned to their hearts. And they found the baby Jesus in a manger, in a stable, with his mother Mary. And the first thing they did when they saw this baby wrapped was to fall down and worship him. Amen? And the Bible tells us they brought three gifts. They brought the gold, which was a token of the earthly wealth given as a tribute to the newborn king. They brought him frankincense, that typified his kingship would be one of righteousness. If we go back to the earthly sanctuary, frankincense was one of the sweet spices that was mixed with other spices that was burnt on the altar of incense. And if we could remember the frankincense, that that typified the righteousness of Christ that would bathe our prayers as we offered up our supplications to God. They also brought him myrrh. Myrrh. Anointment used in the embalming of dead bodies. So he was not just going to be the king of the universe that controlled the wealth of the world. He was not going to be the mediator before the throne of God on behalf of human beings. He was the God that was going to die for the sins of the world. And God's people in Jerusalem gave no thought, showed no curious emotions, just continued with life. And the very king of the universe was lying in a manger in Bethlehem. That gesture was acknowledging baby Jesus as their king. Every gift that the wise men brought were gifts God had given to them, which in turn they used to glorify God. Amen? To his church, Christ has entrusted us with gifts that in turn we are to use for the building up of his kingdom. So let us take a look at these gifts. Because we must possess this gift that one day the king is going to return in his glory with thousands and ten thousands of angels. And when he comes, we must have gifts to present to him. 
What are those gifts? Let us turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And let's take a look at verses 4 to 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 11. Before Christ left, he told the church, he says, I would not leave you comfortless. He says, I am going to send you a helper. We're taking a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 11. And every good gift comes down from the Father above. And God has given us these gifts that such in return that we could employment in his work, employ them in his work. And Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He says, there are differences of ministries but the same Lord. And there are differences of activities, but it is the same God who... Sorry, let's start at verse 4. There are diversities of gifts by the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries by the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each, one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretations of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he has endowed us with all of these gifts, such that we could be ministers, we are as heirs of salvation, of the love of God. You see, without those gifts, we would be powerless in trying to carry out the work of God. But in having given us these gifts, if you remember the story of the talents, he expects us to employ them, to put them to use, that when he comes, he's going to get a return on his investment. You see, as God gifted his son to save a perishing world that was in sin, Christ on his ascension to heaven, following his earthly ministry, gave the gift of the Holy Spirit to his church. The gifts are already in us, and their actual possession depends on our reception of the Spirit of God. It is ever so important to recognize that it was the Spirit of God that brought us to Christ. It is the Spirit of God that brought conviction and conversion to the heart. It is the Spirit of God that we came to understand right from wrong. And it is the Spirit, when we are endowed with it, when we appropriate the gift of the Spirit, then we can bear fruits for the kingdom of God. Let us take a look at a quote. And this is taken from Christ's Object Lessons. The promise of the Spirit is not appreciated as, as it should be. Its fulfillment is not realized as it might be. It is the absence of the Spirit that makes the gospel ministry so powerless. Learning, talents, eloquence, every natural or, or acquired endowment may be possessed. But without the presence of the Spirit of God, no heart will be touched, no sinner be won to Christ. On the other hand, if they are connected with Christ, if the gifts of the Spirit are theirs, the poorest and most ignorant of his disciples 
will have a power that will tell upon hearts. God makes them the channel for the outworking of the highest influence in the universe. E.G. White, Christ's Object Lessons, page 322. After years of being in this church, we should be able to give a Bible study. None is exempt. We all have the gift of speech. We all have the gift of understanding. We all have the gift of knowledge. None, no one, can say that I cannot tell someone about Jesus Christ. A simple Bible study is, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. said, To every man, God has given according to his several ability. The talents are not appointed capriciously. It was not done randomly. He who has, he who has ability to use five talents receives five. He who can improve but two receives two. He who can, usually, he who can wisely use only one receives one. None need lament that they have not received larger gifts. For he who has apportioned to every man is equally honored by the improvement of each trust, whether it be great or small. The one to whom five talents have been committed is to render the improvement of five. He who has but one, the improvement of one. God expects returns according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. Second Corinthians 8.12 and that comes out of ELNG White Christ Object Lessons, page 328. Please turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. So first, God has endowed us with the, whole, with the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's go to the 1 Peter 4, 7 to 10. 1 Peter chapter 4, 7 to 10. And Peter, again, is going to speak about those gifts, those gifts that God has given to his church. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 10. And when we all get it, Say amen, please. Amen. First Peter 4, 7 to 10. It says, By the end of all things is at hand. Peter says, By the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Amen? So what, what are those gifts Peter is talking about? Peter is talking about, first of all, he's pointing to us. He says, the time is at hand. It means there's very little time for us to work. The time is at hand. So it says, put or employ, put into action the gifts that God has endowed us with. He says, what are the gifts? He says, number one, the gift of love. And then the gift of service. The gift of love, that we love one another. And the gift of service, to serve each other. In, the, in, in, the, in return, God expects us to employ it those gifts in the building up of his kingdom. He has planted his law of love in our minds and written them on our hearts. And as we respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, 
we spring into action in rendering service to each other in the church, among our friends, within the family circle, to our neighbors, and to the community at large. Remember, the time is at hand. The Apostle John, let's turn to the book of 1 John. Just go on from Peter to, to 1 John. And, point, and, and, and John reemphasizes that gift of love. He says, 1 John chapter 4, let us read verses 7 to 10. It says, 1 John chapter 4, 7 to 10. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin or the atoning sacrifice for our sin. In our own self, in our own strength, we cannot love. Because we're driven by selfish motive. But by the Spirit of God dwelling in us, we're moved to love. You may ask what happened to the atheist. The love of God has been poured out in the atheist's heart. Because God says, I am going to place my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. We may deny God, but God has not denied us. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Amen? His, his gift, the salvation is a gift to each one, regardless of creed, color, tongue, of culture. It is a gift of salvation God has freely given to all. Now, so this first gift for a king is the gift of love. And he expresses his great joy with, 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 when we come to him on that great day, he's going to commend us for the work and praise us for the joy that we have brought to him. In Matthew 25, 21, we read, God is going to, Christ is going to commend us for the love, the, 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 the service that we would have rendered for him with those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Amen. The gift of love. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. The gift of service. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Brings joy to the hearts of God. Let's turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 25. Let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 25. 14 to 15. Matthew 25. 14 to 15. And let us take a look. Because in the book of Matthew, chapter 25, 14 to 15, we're going to elaborate on those two verses with the help of the spirit of prophecy. Matthew 25, 14 to 15. We all have it? Verse 14. For the kingdom of God is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each one according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. In the book, Christ's Object Lessons, pages 325 to, three, to 365, that chapter is entitled, The Talents. 
God's messenger, Ellen G. White, cites several gifts being referenced to in the parable. These gifts include mental faculties, speech, influence, time, health, strength, money, kindly impulses, and affections. We all possess one or more of these gifts, don't we? And each one is supposed to be employed in the work of the Lord. Now, we would not have time to go through all of these, but I'm just going to, to, to use a few as examples. Let's go to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. Philippians, let's go to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. And Paul reminds the church at Philippi, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And let us take a look at this five. And we're talking about that gift of the mental uh, faculties. And Paul counsels the church. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5. He says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Amen? You know, when we as Christians... No, Philippians, I said. Did I say Ephesians? Oh, sorry. No, not sorry. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Okay, good. He says, when let us have this mind, which was also in Christ Jesus. Turn to the book of Philippians chapter 4 now. And he's going to bring it home. See, as Christians, there are things that we put into our minds that the world cannot understand. And there are things that we don't put into our minds that the world don't understand. Because Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, he says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Paul is saying, throw out the television. All these terrible programs we look at of murder and adultery. We look at people conniving. Those things are evil. They break the commandments of God. Why are we looking at them as Christians? Garbage in, garbage out. If God enriches our lives with the Holy Spirit... How could we look at a murder scene and enjoy it as entertainment? How can we look at adultery and be entertained by it? They're all breaking the commandments of God. So Paul is saying that one of the gifts, or sorry, as the, the messenger of the Lord says, one of the, the gifts given to, the, to us is what? Is to have a sung mind. And that sung mind could only be preserved when we point on the things of God. The mental faculties, the speech, the influence, the time, the health, the strength, the money, kindly impulses and, inf and, and affections, mental faculties. God requires the training of the mental faculties. He designs, he designs that his servants shall possess more intelligent and clearer discernment than the worldling. And he's displeased with those of us, with those who are too careless or too indolent to become efficient, well-informed workers. Amen? We are preparing for the soon coming of Jesus Christ. And there are only two gifts that we could bring to our king. 
And it's only when we cultivate the mind to the things of God could we ever possess the gift fit for our king. Amen? Amen. It says, If placed under the control of his spirit, the more thoroughly the intellect is cultivated, the more effectively it can be used in the service of God. Amen? So what about our speech? Let's take a look at Colossians chapter 4 verse 6. After Philippians, there's Colossians. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6. And Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. He says, Colossians 4 verse 6. He says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Now that's, that's a gift I need to possess. That my speech always with grace. It's a speech that, it, it, it is a gift that we all must possess. That when it comes to the heirs of the hair, the heirs of the hair, that they would be touched by the words that we speak. The tone in which we speak it. In, in Ephesians 4.29, Paul writes, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Let's take a look at that margin. Speech. Wherever we are, we should watch for opportunities of speaking to others of the Savior. If we follow Christ's example in doing good, hearts will open to us as they did to him. Not abruptly, but with tact, born of divine love. We can tell them of him who is the Christ, chiefest among, among ten thousands, and the one altogether lovely, Cantonese 5, 10, and 6. This is the very highest work in which we can employ the talent of speech. It was given to us that we might present Christ as the sin-pardoning Savior. Amen? Time. Our time belongs to God. Every moment is his, and we are under the most solemn obligation to improve it to his glory. Of no talent, talent he has given will he require a more strict account than of our time. We are admonished to redeem the time, but time squandered can never be recovered. We cannot call back even one moment. The only way in which we can redeem our time is by making the most of that which remains by being co-workers with God in his great plan of redemption. How do we redeem the time? In service to God, in prayer to God, in study of the word of God. As we look forward to the soon coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there should be nothing to absorb our time more than diligent study in the word of God. I answer questions for amazing facts. It's online. Amazing Facts receives hundreds of questions from around the world. And when Pastor Doug Batchelor is on, when he, he's out on evangelistic meetings, thousands of these questions come in. So a number of us, I don't know, I know in North America, answer questions. And I get questions, and I just saw one last night. And this lady, she says, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. And she's so, what has happened in the United States and what has happened in the elections there's this consternation. And she wants to know what is going to happen to the church. 
We all should know that. God has given us the gift of prophecy. God has given us an understanding of books of Daniel and Revelation. This is a time that we're living in that we can tell everybody what's going to happen in the United States. Amen? As a Seventh-day Adventist, we should have studied the beast of Daniel chapter 7 and the beast of Revelation chapter 13. We know what is going to happen. We have the words to comfort a soul that is in distress. And God has given us the speech with the oil of grace on our lips that we can bring comfort to a disturbed soul. We are to improve on that knowledge. That's how we come to know God. That's how God reveals himself. Because for every stumbling, bubbling utterance you may make, God is going to clothe it in the spirit of God. That the hearer is going to hear exactly what God wants him to hear. An evangelist shared a story. He was doing a series of meetings. And every night in the meetings, for six weeks, every night, this one lady came up and she sat in front. Every night, night after night after night. And he said that at the end of the meeting, he's trying to meet this lady and she was gone. As he was praying to close the meetings, she left. It was the last night of the meeting on the sixth week. And she came in with a friend. And he thought that was strange. So anyhow, he preached. And then he prayed. Then he had an altar call. And this visitor who came for several weeks, her friend got up and and responded to the altar call. And she said, so the evangelist asked her, who is this, your friend? She said to her, she would like to be baptized. He asked the question. Why couldn't she say so to me? She does not speak English. What brought her to the meetings for six weeks? She came for six weeks. And he believed it was the Spirit of God that interpreted every sermon for this woman. And when he asked about her afterwards, after she was baptized the Sabbath, the Sunday she went down to the ABC and she bought Tons of books to go back to her home country to bring the good news of salvation. Amen? The gift of speech. Let us take a look at um, kindly impulses and affections. Kindly affections, generous impulses. We all possess that gift. Kind to be kind, impulsively kind, and to be affectionate. Kindly affections, generous impulses, and a quick apprehension of spiritual things of precious talents. And lay the possessor under a weighty responsibility. All are to be used in God's service. But here many err. Satisfied with the possession of these qualities. They fail to bring them into active service for others. They flatter themselves. That if they had opportunity. If circumstances were favorable. They would do a great and good work. But they are awaiting the opportunity. They despise the narrowness of the poor niggard who grudges even a pittance to the needy. They see that he is living, they see that he is living for self, and that he is responsible for his misused, mis- misused talents. With much complacency, they draw the contrast between themselves and such ma- narrow-minded ones, feeling that their own condition is much more favorable than that of their mean-souled neighbors. 
but they are deceiving themselves. The mere possession of unused qualities only increases their responsibility. Those who possess, possess large affections are under obligation to God to bestow them not merely on their friends, but on all who need their help. Social advantages are talents and are to be used for the benefit of all within reach of our influence. The love that gives kindness to only a few is not love, but selfishness. It will not in any way work for the good of souls or the glory of God. Those who thus leave their master's talents unimproved are even more guilty than are the ones for whom they feel such contempt. To them it will be said, you, ye, you, you knew your master's will, but did it not. Amen? We all possess these gifts. None is shy. And whenever we find that we are short of it, we just have to do what? Ask, and it shall be given to us. God has endowed us with gifts, to each one according to the ability in making use of, of them in building up the kingdom of God. We were once Gentiles, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. We were aliens to the covenant of promise. However, as the wise men of the East examine the prophecies they heard of this, that spoke of a future Messiah. They practiced their astrology. They dealt in fables. They worshipped false gods. But then the light of God came to them by a star. That star which they read of in the prophecy of Isaiah. You see, the Apostle Peter tells us, we have also a more sure word of prophecy Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. In faith and by obedience, the wise men followed the star by night through desert cold temperatures, intent on bringing their gifts to a king the heard of was to come. He was not the king at the time, but the herd of the coming king and they wanted to know him. The gifts of gold, of frankincense and myrrh, were gifts fit for a king who, despite death, would be resurrected and establish, and establish a kingdom that would replace all earthly kingdoms. It fulfilled the prophecy of Daniel chapter 2 verse 44, that after all of these kingdoms, this stone that struck the image and destroyed it, represents the kingdom of God that's going to be established in this earth for an eternity. You see, the day star, Christ, has risen in our hearts. There is a cloud of witness that testify of the unveiling love of God for us. For God so loved the world, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Jesus has empowered us with his spirit for in making effective use of those gifts. Second, he has poured out his love in our heart, whereby we call his God and our God Father. As a son and a daughter, we are inheritors of the kingdom of God. However, he demands a return on the grace he has poured out on us without reservation. You see, the story is told in the book of Luke chapter 17, 11 to 19. You see, Jesus held, healed ten lepers, and he wanted them to obey the law, the ceremonial service. So he said, go to the temple and show yourself to the priest that he can affirm that you were cured. Only one came back. 
God granted all ten life, a new life, a new start. Only one came back. You see, here is an ex- all but one returned to Jesus to give him thanks for healing him. Here is an example of God's unconditional love, giving gifts to many who are undeserving of it. In his acts of providence, men and women come to know him. Don't you think Jesus knew that nine would not return? Yet he healed them, all ten. All, all ten. You see, this season, let us give good gifts. I suggest we begin by focusing on the gifts that God has granted to us and make them the unconditional gifts that we are going to give. Ask God for an infilling of the Holy Spirit that we can be emboldened to grasp an opportunity to tell someone about the love of God for them as it is in Christ Jesus. This season, let our speech be with grace that can touch the heart of the hearer. This season, ask God to preserve our mental faculties by thinking of things that can enrich our spiritual life. In this season of pleasure, let our lives be a good influence to someone in helping them discern spiritual things. As this season, as we go about, employ our time wisely knowing that we have but a short time. Reflect on the words of the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. 3 John 1. Let our strength be in the Lord. Let our spending be as good stewards of the money God has entrusted to us. And above all things, by kindly impulses and affections, we can lift Christ up that someone would be drawn to him. On that day, our life lived of unconditional love, demonstrated by self-denial and self-sacrifice in this earthly life for the advancement of God's kingdom are the only gifts we would possess as gifts fit, not for the king, but as gifts fit for our king. Amen? In exchange, God is going to grant us the most coveted gift that mortal man could carry through the ceaseless ages of eternity. Let us turn to the book of Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. And God is going to give us the one gift that we so desperately still need. It is there, it is imparted, and it is imputed, but we have not appropriated it. Revelation chapter 19. And let us take a look at verse 8. Verse 8. It says, And to her, that is the church, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. That would have been a life lived of love, a life lived of service, a life that was given unreservedly in building of the kingdom of God, that God looks at it and shows his appreciation by granting us the one thing we need to enter the kingdom of God, and that is the righteousness of Christ. Amen? May God's rich blessings of love and life be with you and yours through this holiday season and forevermore. It is my prayer for everyone and for my wife and I, again, God's blessing to all. God bless you.